0: We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us.
1: Welcome to uh, Sacred Collective. Uh, We're doing, we're kind of putting these out here and there about kind of meet your collective. So tonight we're interviewing Eric. So hello, Eric. Hello, hello. We like to do this so, I mean, people, when they hear us in our bigger group, they hear us kind of, all randomly talking but this is just a time that we can kind of just get to know you more one-on-one our listeners can know you so they would be like oh that's eric i know i know him yes they so, can pick their favorites
2: sure <laughs> yeah. yes okay okay <laughs> if you want to <laughs> yeah
1: so um eric just maybe i don't know in a little brief sketch kind of just give a bio of yourself like where you grew up kind of your religious tradition you know whatever you feel comfortable with yeah um so I grew up
2: in Denver, Colorado. Um, evangelical, conservative, kind of a grew up in a BGC church, Baptist General Conference, which is now called what? Converge, Converge Worldwide. Yeah, sounds like a cult. Um, yep. Uh, so grew up. I was homeschooled all the way through high school, which is its own whole kind of like weird. <laughs> sub subculture um and i think thankfully well I'll back up a little bit i got quote unquote saved at eight years old was when i did like the sinner's prayer and like became born again mm-hmm. and um became a good christian yeah like that's when i denounced all of my sinful lifestyle ways <laughs> from my early days when i was six years old um <laughs> And I remember, like, like, there's so many things, you know, looking back as an adult, kind of like in, with critical eyes, looking back at like a, a childhood of evangelicalism that are just like, what
3: the fuck?
2: Um, but like, I remember, and I don't know if, if this was like the night that led to, I think this, I mean, this was like probably a big part of it, but I was part of a Wana, which depending on our listenership. Probably a lot of people are familiar with what Awana was. Um, basically, like a kids. <sighs> they tried to brand
0: it as like Boy Scouts because yeah, they it was like derby,
2: yeah, like there stuff. was like that
0: kind of stuff. And there was like different kind there of was like a ranks Wana Bucks and and ranks, yeah. And, and the more like, verses that you memorized, the more. Yeah, uh, it was like it was like this weird like
2: Boy Scout, Girl Scout, Cub Scout kind of thing. weird analog bizarro. yeah. yeah because you would do like who can memorize verses and you like competitions and all this stuff and you get like patches and you have like a vest and all this stuff
1: we had that in the AG it was just called Royal Rangers sure yeah this is the same thing as Iwana yeah. but called something different but I remember
2: one night at Iwana they were talking to like and this was to like little kids like I mean I was eight years old and talking about, like, if you – when your parents pick you up tonight and you're driving home and you get in a car accident and die, where are you going to go? I don't know. And, like, I remember at the time just, like, that didn't seem weird to me. That was just, like, oh, this is, like, things that are important to think about and, like, whatever. And it's, like, oh, I need to say – I need to become born again so that I can go to heaven and I don't go to hell if I die in a car accident when I'm eight years old. And, like, looking back, it's, like, just – messed up that's messed up um so yeah uh then i was like i got baptized when i was like i don't know 10 or something and i remember the church that i grew up in the bat the baptismal was like this it was like elevated and like off in the corner so like as you're as you're like sitting in the pews there's like the stage and there's this baptismal that's like elevated and Up in the corner, kind of like this weird thing. I don't know. It was just... It's this whole weird thing that, like, at the time seemed totally normal. Um, Yeah, I was homeschooled, so I, like, spent all of my time with my mom at home, at church. Um, And I, like, I... Love my mom dearly, and I'm so thankful that she was the mom that homeschooled me. Compared to like other, because like we would do stuff with other homeschool families, right, right. And even at the time, I remember like I always thought that homeschoolers were weird, <laughs> and I was always like, oh, I'm glad I'm not like the rest of the homeschoolers because it was like <laughs> you were set apart. Yeah, and even like in high school and college, when I would like talk to people and like they would find out that I was homeschooled, they'd be like, oh. You don't seem like a homeschooler, so I was like, I was like, all right, thanks, mom, for not making me like a weirdo homeschooler. <laughs> um, yeah, so moved to up here to Minnesota in college. Went to Bethel. Um, was a, started out as a biology major. Um, in Colorado, we so. In Minnesota, there's this thing called PSEO, which stands for post secondary education option. Enrollment option. Yeah, whatever, something like that. Where basically you can take college classes in high school and they count like they do double duty for like high school credit and college credit.
1: Mm.
2: We didn't have that in Colorado. I just took college classes on the side because I was homeschooled, so I had the time to. Um, so I took a bunch of biology classes, wanted to be a biology major. I wanted to be like a, a naturalist or a zookeeper or like something cause I'm like super into nature and not, and animals and science and stuff. Freshman year at Bethel, I had a philosophy class that rocked my world. That was just like, Oh, this is like what life's about. Like, these are the questions that are important. This is like actually like thinking about something bigger than just what am I going to do to make money? This is like, mm-hmm. what are the questions that I need to ask about? Like actual existence and like life and beliefs and reality. Um, so changed my major to philosophy actually really really enjoyed my philosophy education at Bethel um, made me gave me the ability to be a critical thinker to problem solve to like ask questions um and I think that's really where kind of like some of the veil started coming down for modern American evangelical Christianity. Um, because I, I had this, I was given the, I was given the credit. What's the word I want to look for? Um, like I was allowed to ask questions. Um, and growing up that wasn't there. It wasn't like, it was just like, this is, this is what's true. Here's what you believe. Um, um, and so even though it was a Christian college, it was still like, well ask questions like here's here's what like Eastern Orthodox think. Here's what Hindus think. Here's what Buddhists think. Here's like and so it's just like whoa 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 like really cool and like asking questions about the historical context of the Bible, which is to this day I think what I hold as most important when studying scripture and just kind of like trying to understand things. Um but still, at that point, I was very Christian, very committed to the faith, very committed to kind of, like, all of the pretenses of Christianity. But in kind of this this middle ground of, like, I don't like what the church does, but I still believe everything they, they believe. Um, and so, over the course of, I guess kind of more a little bit about me, I bet I met... Um, I met someone at Bethel who I started dating and then married, um, and really kind of set down roots here in Minnesota and kind of all this time, it was kind of like, there was still this sort of just questioning and being like, okay, I really hold this faith and it's really part of me and I have it as my identity, but I want to understand it more. I want to like make more sense of it. Um, and over the years, it was kind of, like, things kept getting it kept getting chipped away at. Um, and more recently, I've kind of, I think I have this analogy of, like, I had this framework that was Christianity. And everything that was, like, built on that framework, I kept kind of, like, well, this doesn't fit right. So I, to, I would take it off and kind of, like, reform it so that it would fit mm. better. Like, okay, so, and this was, like, early on, like, creation and like I was never I don't ever remember being a literal creationist it was always kind of like okay well we've got all this science and I know that the world is more than 6,000 years old so my interpretation of this can change and now right. that can fit in my in my framework um and over the years the more and more that I would like have to take things off of my framework and like adjust them and fix them and make them change so they could fit in my framework At a certain point, over the last few years, it was kind of like, okay, I can't take everything off of my framework and change it to make it fit in my framework. Maybe my framework is what I need to start changing.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of been my journey over the last few years is like, okay, take all of this stuff off. Maybe I need to change my framework so all of this stuff can just fit on naturally instead of having to change everything to fit into my framework. I need to change my framework so that everything else can just naturally fit. the way it's supposed to um and so a big 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 part of that has come over this past year um so this is january of 2020 um february of 2019 i separated from my wife um due to a whole other you know host of things relational things um Got got kind of like real down and dirty with myself. Um, got diagnosed with clinical depression, generalized anxiety for the first time. Um, and realized through therapy and treatment for that, realized that I've had that probably since high school at mm-hmm. least. Um, started working through that. Have done some of the best kind of like self-actualization that I've ever done in my life over the last year. Um, which which was really good. Um, worked through kind of all of the issues of my marriage ending. Um, something that had been part of, not just part of my life, but kind of like the main part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, identifying as... Not just as a husband, but as my wife's husband. Kind of my identity was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I. who am I? I am my wife's husband. Mm. Um, for, it had been for 11 years. Mm. And so that was kind of like deconstructing that and kind of like closing the book on that. And being like, okay, who actually am I? Has been a huge, a huge mm-hmm. part of kind of how I identify, like a, like rediscover, not even rediscovering, just kind of like discovering mm. who I am. Was your deconstruction
0: of that uh, identity of your wife's husband and kind of a deconstruction and, and redefining of, of what that role means, do you think that was directly related with your understanding of Christianity? Or do you think that were those two separate tasks that you had. Oh, they were very,
2: they were very intertwined. Okay. Very intertwined, you know, because what does being a good husband mean? Right. Like what does being a good Christian mean? Like they're, they're one in the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just kind of like a few things that have been really, really foundational for me over the last year is like, giving my myself permission to just like be myself yeah. and figure out who I am for myself. Yeah. Um, and another, another thing has been kind of like, and I've been very conscious of being, of asking this next question thoughtfully and intentionally. Um, cause it'd be very easy to ask this question, from a place of kind of retaliation or just anger, but like, what has the, quote unquote, like in quotes, capital letter, the church done for me over the, this last year, which has been mm. the most trying, difficult, hardship, roller coaster, emotional year of my life? Um, like, what's been the church? the role of the church in this last year. Um, And it's been close to non-existent. And
0: for our listeners, do you have a home church that would have been able to provide that for you apart apart from the spiritual communities that you're engaged in, like Sacred
2: Collective and stuff like that? Yeah. So, I mean, sort of kind of like jumping the gun a little bit, like I would say the Sacred Collective has kind of been my... Primary, like what I would identify as kind of my church. Yeah. Um, the church that I've gone to fairly regularly for the last, you know, close to a decade off and on, like it, off and on. Um, I was never involved with on a, any level deeper than just going to the services on Sunday. So it was kind of like, did they have the you know, party service when you would
0: stand up and shake your neighbor's hand? Oh,
2: <laughs> no, every, yeah, you like shaking it, and it was always like uh, greet the people around you and tell them yeah. what's your favorite barbecue food in the summer,
1: or greet oh. your neighbor and
2: what's your favorite, you know, thing, or what are you looking forward to for who's your favorite Vikings? Player?
0: Yeah, it's you know, all just That's not it's not, the not greet each other stuff. with the
1: holy kiss. Come on, no, the what kind of church do you went to? No, <laughs>
2: um, so I mean. And so this is something I struggled with cuz I would like even like feel guilt for being like oh well it's my fault that I didn't inject myself more into the into mm, the church. It was uh, my yeah. fault that I didn't seek out relationships. It's that's my fault. Yeah. And I think that that's a very like that just fits with my whole life experience of anything that's a problem it's your fault. Like you weren't righteous enough or you didn't seek this out enough. And it's like uh, Yeah, you know. Um, another thing is like, like, God bless my parents because like they're they're you know doing their best. Like they've got what they've got, and it's like through my separation and my divorce and like all this stuff with my kids and everything, and like just this this trauma that I'm going through relationally, and like like thankfully I've got a good amicable relationship with my ex, and like we're we're like figuring out this co-parenting thing and like have our mm. kids best interest at yeah. heart and stuff but it's like my parents it, really the the and not just my parents but kind of i think the general consensus like the general response from kind of modern day western church in this kind of situation is like oh well we're praying for you like lean on jesus like mm. um like my dad just recently said like i'm praying for in the new year that you just have like a really good relationship with jesus christ and and, and it's like thanks okay like that's oh. that like that does shit all for me like what does that right, do like right. what does praying and having a relationship with jesus do for me mm-hmm. like i've i've gotten more out of um going through a treatment program through uh for depression and anxiety mm-hmm. i've gotten more from my secular non-christian therapist yes i've gotten more out of like being part of the sacred collective and just like a place, a safe place to like build relationship and like talk through shit.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I've gotten exponentially more through all of those things than I've gotten from praying and from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's still like a little part of me that like feels guilty or like feels like I sh- like feels like <gasps> when mm. I say that, you know? Yeah, and so I'm so- still like working through like, yeah, um there's this there's this band called Dead Poetic that was a band that I I loved in high school. And they have a song called Vices. Mm. And there's a line in that song that is something to the effect of like I feel the nails in my wrists and feet every time I try to forget you. Um and like that really resonates with me cuz like at my core like I still want to and I still do believe that there's something that it's not like I'm not a nihilist yet. I'm not an atheist yet. Um, like there's something and it's just like my kind of like idea of what that something is has gotten so much bigger and so much more ambiguous and so much more beautiful and so much more mystical and Mm. so much more nuanced. like so much more nuanced. And honestly, it's so much more interesting and so much more exciting and fluid. Yes. Um, Spirituality be
0: like, is very
2: fluid. Yeah, and so it's like it's it's like um, like I have this analogy that like two thousand years ago there was this person and there was this group of people and there was this movement that started and it was small and it was in houses and it was like little and it was personable and it was not corporate and it was not capitalistic and it was not political and it was not. Coercive. It was like this little thing. It was this little movement. And it, as it grew, it changed and it morphed and it started growing. And it was beautiful for a couple hundred years and it was great. And then shit happened and Constantine happened and the popes happened and the church happened and Rome happened and all this shit happened. And it got so big and it got so confusing. And it's like has gotten so much bigger and different and moved away from its original center that I just want to like step back, get out of this cloud and say, where is this center that we used to have? What is this meaning? What is the truth? What is going on here? Mm. And so I think for a lot of people who are still in that cloud, in that vortex, they're saying you're leaving, you're losing your faith, you're deconverting, you're, you are dangerous. You're going, you're going off your path. You're losing, you know, whatever. And it's like, I'm just trying to like, I, I think, all of this is off path. I'm just trying to, like, figure stuff yeah, out. right. You know? Um,
0: um, I, I know this is about you and not me, but I just want to quickly say I find it empowering to say I am a Christian and this is what that looks like to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you can say you're a Christian and that's what it looks like to you. And then you can look at me and say, oh, no, you're not a Christian. You're, not, you're a heretic. You're doing this wrong and that wrong. You should believe this. But you don't or, you know, you, you you misunderstand this interpretation of Scripture. Okay, fine. But guess what? My assertion that I am a Christian is no less valid than anybody else's yeah. assertion of, of, of Christianity. If this is American Christianity now, if this is my Christianity now, it is no less valid than any other iteration of something that has been called Christianity. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And right. I think, I mean, that's a, that's actually been like a huge thing for me. It's like, I think it's actually so much richer if we can all have our own personal take on something. Right. Um, cause if, if, if I'm talking to someone and they say, I know who God is, I have all the answers, I know everything. And so just like, let me just tell you everything. My thought is, okay, that means that If you're able to understand all of it, that means all of it is less than what you are. So if you're telling me God is less complex than you, that is not a God that I want to have anything to do with.
1: Right, same.
2: Like, if I want to have something to do with a God, I want it to be a God that is infinitely more complex and infinitely knowable. And if you say you know everything, then that's, like, Mm -hmm. small – I don't want to. Mm. I don't want to follow a God that's small. I want to follow a God, and like this is something that Richard Rohr has said: is that oh, yeah. God isn't unknowable. God is infinitely knowable, mm. mm-hmm. which I think is great. Preach. Preach it, because it's like, yeah, like I want to. I want to explore and like have. It's so much more interesting if there's if there's an infinite amount. Like if I can just know a fraction of a fraction of amount of what this beauty is. And know that there's an infinite, infinitely more to it. That's way more attractive than someone who says, I know God. He's in this little box that I made. That's Mm -hmm. garbage to me. So uh, kind of coming back to just kind of like my storyline. I am like actively de- and reconstructing a lot of stuff. Um, having a really hard time with labels, um, like in my core, I like people and things like Richard Rohr or like St. Francis or like little things here and there that like really make me want to be a Christian. And then there's big, enormous, awful, terrible things that really make me not want to be a Christian. Um, and so it's a hard balance. Um, and so I have a hard time with labels, like labels is like labeling anything like your religion or like it can get more complex into just like smaller things of life, like with political affiliation or like with even something like musical genres or like whatever, like labels are so natural because as humans, we, we want to categorize things like that's Mm. in our nature, but they're also so limiting. Um, so that's like a, that's a tough conflict. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it fits with kind of where I'm at personally, because through like a lot of therapy and stuff and just like talking to my therapist and like talking to other people and it's like, the beauty in life comes in this kind of like holding things in balance. Like you like living in the gray. Yeah. It's not either or it's both. And, um, like I heard this quote recently about, um, kind of just like the, the trauma and like difficulty of life that there's like things going back and forth. And it's like, learn, learn to live with the push and pull until it's a dance, and then you get back in rhythm, mm-hmm. and I think that's beautiful because that's what it is. Like, there's no way to to have just like life figured out. Like, it's this push and pull. It's living with both, and it's totally. it's being in yeah. the gray. It's it's moving and flowing, and, and having this this rhythm yes. of life. Um, is that Christianity? Maybe. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? Maybe. Right. Does being a Christian rely on what other people's definition of you is? Right. Maybe. Um. Mm-hmm. I just want to like at the end of the day I just want to add love to the world. And and that's it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um I think Christianity fits with that. I think that there's a lot of other traditions. There's a lot of mystic things. There's a lot of other religions. There's a lot of other faiths. There's a lot of other practices that can add to that also. Yeah. And they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a problem with where the church is going right now. It's like, you have to be just like us. You can't be anything like that. And it's like, there's, there has to be, there has to be room for this gray area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: Is that how you see the sacred collective? Like what, just to kind of, I guess, get us back a little bit on topic just because of the, the format of these, uh, interviews that we do. um, would you what what would you say that you get from this community um, within the context of being a spiritual group of people who you know have have pretty similar shared backgrounds in evangelicalism and things like that? Do you do you feel I don't want to set you up too much for an answer, but like I guess w- w- what keeps you coming back and 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 mm-hmm. what would you what would you like to see it become? I guess
2: yeah, uh, I think one of the things that I <sighs> see as at least right now and hopefully moving forward kind of like as a big part of my life as being very important is vulnerable authenticity Mm. um which i don't like looking back at my kind of like most of my life in the church wasn't promoted it was kind of like don't be yourself because yourself is bad and sinful be like what we tell you to be because that's good and that's what will get you to heaven. Mm, yeah. um, and so really kind of opposing that and being like vulnerable authenticity is what we need. That's what everyone craves.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I see the Sacred Collective as a place where I feel safe. I feel seen. Um we have differences. Some of us are at different places in our journeys, but we all are. are. Yeah. We, but I think, I think that what I see it, a commonality is that we all are encouraging each other on wherever we are on our journeys. And so I don't feel like I, there's nothing that I feel that I don't feel comfortable saying or bringing up because I feel safe and I feel authentic. And I think that is so important and so beautiful because that's what brings people together that's what brings people closer to finding whatever they're looking for mm-hmm. however they're looking for it um and so that's that's what i would say the collective gives to me in terms of uh community in terms of a place to just kind of like work through things um and a place to feel like i both
1: have and get value. Mm-hmm. Mm. <sighs> Thank you for, you know, that's why we started this. Um, obviously, as we want everyone to feel that they have that place, that freedom to be vulnerably authentic, as you said, Eric.
0: Um, and we got, honestly, we got kind of lucky with the Ragtag group of people who who did decide to engage yeah. with the collective because, like, I'm over here being like, you know, Josh and I are more on the kind of Christian atheist side of things. I would say that, comparatively speaking, you know, you you Brian and you Erica are kind of more on the like progressive Christian, uh, traditional ish, comparatively side of things, and it's a beautiful synergy, you know. And then we have we have Kayleen, who's who's very experienced as a chaplain, and um, and you know Amanda is is has has um, maybe some more traditional views about Christianity and the Bible and things like that. And I think that it's a beautiful synergy. And there's there's no disregard for anyone's opinion or or perspective at all.
1: And kind of just wrapping up, just for the sake of time, Eric, what's one thing that we can do as the Sacred Collective? that you could see maybe if you have anything that could just make this group, um, even stronger, even better, something that we can do better. Maybe something that you thought we could inter, you know, intertwine within like our normal times that we, you know, meet on, you know, these Thursdays. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I know this is something that
2: has been addressed by listeners. Um, so kind of just like validating that, um, but also just for myself, not wanting you know, not wanting to fall into the very easy trap to fall into of being an echo chamber. Right. You know, That's it's, a really it's good point. so yeah. easy for people to just find places where they are the same as other people and they say, Okay, now we can just all each agree and we can say that we're right and everyone else is dumb. If you're confident in what you believe, you sh- you don't need to, nor should you feel, you know, threatened or intimidated by someone who thinks something differently than you. And on the flip side of that, I think it's also important to engage with people who think differently than you, because you and them can come away better on the other side. For for being more aware of each other. Sure. Um, because I think that even like most people aren't going to totally change their minds on most things, but I think what's important is to, I think it's easy to see people who believe things differently than you as just like an idea. And then when you get to know a person as a person who holds different ideas than you, uh, you can start to understand who they are and where they come from and why they think those things. And then be- it becomes less about what they believe and it becomes more about who they are. Um, and so, I mean, I would love to see more people involved with our group that are that hold beliefs even more different than, than yeah. ours. Um, and hopefully, ideally, it would be a place where we can say... I don't agree with a lot of things that you do, but I agree that you are a person and you have value and I want to understand what makes you you Mm -hmm. and I want to understand Mm -hmm. why you think you do what you – why you think what you do and I want you to understand why I think what I do and and we don't necessarily have to change each other's minds, but understand where those – like (laughs) – it's like to use a like a, a funny like tie-in. I was uh, having a meeting at work today, and we were just talking about like like work process. It was like something as mundane as just like figure out how to manage group inboxes. Um, and there's this like corporate structure thing called a fishbone exercise, where you have like you take a problem. And you say, okay, why do we have this problem? And you like list three reasons. And you take each of those three reasons. And you say, okay, why is this a reason? Okay, why is this a reason? Okay, why is it? And you just like boil it down and boil it down to like the core reason of like why does this issue exist? Mm-hmm. And I think you can do that with people. You say, okay, like I don't know, the first thing that comes to mind is like what, like guns. Okay, why are you so strongly supporting the Second Amendment, and why are you so strongly against the Second Amendment? Okay. Maybe it's because of X, XYZ reason or A B C reason. Okay, why why why? Like you drill down and it, it becomes something about someone's grandfather or something about someone's yeah, a personal neighbor. right. It's something or, yeah. okay, and now you have this foundational thing that a lot of other stuff has been built on. And if you it's can get anecdotal, yeah, yeah, if you can get down and just understand them as a person, you say, "Oh, I understand these things about you and these things about your past and why that has informed the way that you think about this other thing." We don't agree on these things, but we can agree that we both are humans and we both like have people that we love. And like I think that's I think that's what um, people are really at the heart of it. If if they whether they know it or not, they're craving again, authentic vulnerability.
1: Right. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So, yeah, to make a to make a short answer to a long one, (laughs) having having just like a, a more diversity of voices.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're working on that. Um it's tough cuz most of us are probably are progressive or yeah. atheistic and to get conservative voices on our podcast is a little bit tricky. Yep. Um but it's in the works, but I just want to thank you Eric for being, you know, a, a part of our community, a part of our group. Uh, we love when you come and your insights that you give and like you said you're authentic. Um, vulnerability because i think like I, you you know you hit it out of the park i like we need that and so we appreciate when you come and um all your insights so thank you until yep. next time bye bye
0: thanks for being part of our conversation to continue the conversation find us on social media at sacred mn
3: if you enjoyed this show, you might also like Loosen the Bible Belt with Kristen Becker and myself, Jay Baker.
1: What are you scared of? What do you think is going to actually happen? You know, if I if I look so gay, or if I look so different, or...
3: Do you think that the the the... But that fear is mutual? Because I find a lot of my progressive friends, when I push back on them, you know, and say, are we scapegoating? Are we doing the same things to the conservatives that they did to us years ago and then they get mad and get angry and lash out at me you know what i mean like as almost as bad as as the conservatives you know like i see it happening on both sides and it feels like both sides are so scared of each other that we don't know how to have we don't know how to talk to each other you know we don't know how to, to to argue well or to debate each other or to sit in the same room. So we'll just sit behind our computers and just tap or we'll just throw shade at each other, you know, from across the room. But nobody's sitting down having the hard conversations. You know, like I had, I was for Christmas, I went and I sat down with my dad and we had a really tough conversation. I didn't leave feeling awesome, you know, but we had the conversation and it just seems like so many of us are just on both sides are afraid of each other. You know, and so we either try yeah. to intimidate each other or say we're better than each other or just say, forget each other. And I'm like, you know, people like Martin Luther King was always encouraging us to sit down and talk and to come together and, you know, not to see each other as enemies, but misinformation as the enemy. You know, and I feel like we've lost that. You know, I feel like social media has has, has stolen that communication away. We just write each other off so easily when it seems like a could be a better tool maybe we need more characters
0: that was a post-christian podcast